You're listening to The Dirt Show. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. Welcome to episode number one. This is a good episode. Uh, we were going to release this yesterday, but instead we waited one more day because we wanted to uh, include some information that Lady Sativa uh, is involved in. In our episode zero, we mentioned that she was involved in the Women Grow um <clears throat> chapter of Southern Oregon. Well, interested. Well, interested. Yeah. And so she attended the, uh, the chapter, the conference that was held here on Thursday. And she has a lot of great information. So we held back and decided that we were going to add this into our segment and then release it uh, a day or two later. So uh, Lady Sativa, what's going on? I'm really interested. Uh, it sounds like you had a good time. You were able to network and get some good information. This is really, really Oregon's cannabis culture uh, to the roots. Uh, this is involving a, a good section of growers, which is women. Now, men are involved as well, but this is a chance for women to get involved in a big way and have a voice along with um, men. So tell us what's going on. Uh, today, uh, tonight at the uh, event, we had Christy Cromwell, attorney, speaking, and uh, she had a lot of really awesome information to bring to us. And um, I uh, actually was, I got to meet a whole bunch of people and got to talk with a bunch of people about um, getting not only the, you know, the podcast out there, but also finding out ways to network and um, I wanted to become a member, so I talked to a couple of the board members and uh, chair members, actually, of uh, Women Grow for the Southern Oregon area, and um, they seemed really interested in giving us some interviews. So did Christy Cromwell, actually. So and that's gonna, the lawyer, right? Yes, uh, attorney. Attorney, sorry. Yes, and she actually um, was pretty interested in talking to us and giving us an interview and actually hearing any questions that people may have. So if you have any questions That's great. to send us too. Yeah. Please do. Um, All questions are welcome because this is going to be a good interview. Yes, it Something is. Something we can get some good information from. Yes. From a local. And she was pretty excited to uh, to do it. To so she gave me her card eager and told me to let them know that I have permission to call and talk to her. That's good. So look for that. Yes. Yes. Very excited to... Uh, to do that interview with her. Um, there was a couple other growers that I talked to, um, husbands and wives that were, I, I talked to a couple wives and then also a, a husband. Um, so there was other gentlemen involved there. Yes. Good. Yes. Actually one of the, uh, one of the chair people for women grow for the Southern Oregon, uh, her son, she, she dragged him along as she told me. 
Um, (laughs) She made him sit at the front table with her also. So you made sure that when you came in, you saw a male sitting right there. And her husband, her, his wife, oh, her, she actually gave me the card for the both of them. And she said that her husband would be really eager probably to talk to us too. And I went and I talked to him also. So he's, he's the grower? Um, actually, or, it's are they both a grower? Hermetic genetics, and um, I think it is. I think they're growers. They're growers. Okay. Yes. And his name is on the card, and we will be talking to him shortly and Sounds probably good. do an interview. Yeah. Yeah, and so there was there was quite a few other people that we gave our card out to that hopefully they will be contacting us. And um, there was lots of growers. There was lots. Lots of different ladies to talk to, um, and a couple gentlemen, but mostly mostly ladies yeah. that I went around and talked to. You know, us women, we like to talk. Mm-hmm. So, um, I also have the video here if you, if we wanted to. Uh, yeah, I was listening to that with you <clears throat> before the show, and it sounded really good. So let's go ahead and play that clip, and this will give the listeners uh, an idea of what it is and what's involved with it. If you're starting a business in the cannabis industry, you absolutely need to attend a Women Grow meeting. It should be the first thing you do. If you want this industry to be different, you should participate in Women Grow however you can. It's great to be involved with forward-thinking people who are going to bring the cannabis industry to the next level. Go to meetings, go to events, and put yourself out there. It's amazing, it's fun. After we leave, we share tips, we make money together, and we also advance the industry. I would encourage every woman that's interested in getting into the cannabis industry to attend at least one Women Grow meeting. I think it provides a safe, comfortable entry into an otherwise scary industry. These women are hungry for new connections. They want to meet you and support you and collaborate with you and mentor you. Just go to a meeting because originally I was really worried about the stigma surrounding the industry and what I found is really smart women who are dedicated and, and business women, and I really wanted to align myself with that kind of talent. Are you looking for a bunch of badasses to get behind everything that you're up to? Well then, why aren't you part of Women Grow? You wouldn't be intimidated at all, because most of the women in that room had been in your shoes at one point. Don't hesitate. Leave your fear at the door. If you have a dream, pursue it, and know that you'll have the tools and the resources you need through this community. Just go. If you feel the call, embrace the call, take the call, go. Excuse me, that's awesome. That's uh, something I wanted to hear, and that's definitely the cannabis culture I want to bring yeah. out. Uh, it sounds, you know, professional and uh, people that, you know, it sounds like they want to bring people out that normally wouldn't be there. Yes, and yeah. actually what was uh, pretty cool is some of the ladies that were there were asking questions, um, any any sort of questions that they wanted to ask, um, like the OHA yeah, and the OLCC. And, um, okay, so that's Oregon Health Authority and then the Oregon Liquor Control yes, Commission. Yes, and um, Christy had told all of us that if you have any questions and they won't answer your questions to make your voices heard, basically, to cause a ruckus and make them answer you back because they have um, they've done a lot of avoiding certain things. When it comes to the marijuana industry. so I mean, what do you mean? Oh, just questions that people have, like yeah. for medical and um, 
you know, recreational. That's just the difference. And and if you have questions, a lot of the questions aren't being answered. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now this is an avenue where they can get those. Yes. And so, but they want you represent. to make sure to throw your voice out there to make sure that they know that you want an answer from them. So they can't ignore you with the more, you know, more ruckus that is made. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And that was something we've been looking forward to. So I'm glad we could share that. We're going to keep you updated. And um, obviously, so is Lady Sativa. She's the one that's going to let us know how that works out. And anything that you see on our website is going to come from that. So um, if you want to check that out, though, it's what? Womengrow.com. Womengrow.com. Okay. So check it out. Uh, Again, we're just, we're checking it out. This is nothing that, you know, they're paying us for. So this is something we're just checking out, but you know, we feel that it's a good thing. I'm really looking into being a local member. I actually talked to a couple of the ladies that were on the, that were chair women. So like what do you I mean said. by that? What is a local member? Is there, is there a cost for that? What do you get from that? Is there what, I, I think it's around what, 300 a year. Yeah. It's two ninety nine per year. Um, and what then, is included in it yeah. is um, all the tickets that you would normally pay for. Usually the uh, events that are around, uh, they are 25 to $40 per event. It, they can cost. No, we just um, paid 25 I paid 25 so That was for an early ticket right. also. Yeah. Um, if you were to pay when you got there, it was 35 which is understandable. That's how it is at the door most of the time. Sure. You know, it's an additional $10 or whatever. It saves up to $180 per year. Um, professional Women Grow name tag. Woo woo. Uh, pre-sale access to Women Grow national events. So that means that you could jump in on getting a, a, a ticket early for national events to go other places. Um, complimentary access to all Women Grow online education educational content. Um, 2016 Leadership Summit lightning talks with 30 speakers, including Melissa Etheridge. 2015 Leadership Summit. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. With half a day session on creating your investor pitch plus media training. Seven part how to create your cannabis business webinar series with Jasmine Hupp and Maureen McNamara. Three part modern mentoring webinar series with Jane West. And digital badges to display on your website and social media. Nice. Um... And this is to attend Women Grow in one city. It's, you know, yeah. local. And so it would, of course, in our area, I think it would include all the Ashland, of course. And it would be all of Jackson County. Well, basically, the 300 is going to cover all those events at least. And then everything else on top of that, it's all cream. It's all the badges and the for your website and the marketing. That's yes, that's the important part. So well, and it's a, it was it was a lot of fun going out there and actually talking to all of them. And I like like I said, the growers they you know a lot of them. I told them that we would be interested in any of their techniques and and anything, so we can pass it all out to you guys too. Right, 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 right. And again, we want to promote professionalism. So this isn't just you know getting high on the weekends. This is legitimate business. This is the legitimate people. These are professionals that smoke weed and partake cannabis in different forms and essentially run, you know, or help the community, work with the community. They're leaders. There was actually leaders, Leaders, a a leader board member out there for for Medford, I believe it was. I don't remember exactly what he was a part of, but he was was talking as one of just part of the crowd. 
Yeah, and we appreciate that. So thank you, Lady Sativa. That that means a lot. So okay, so the next thing I wanted to go in just a quick a couple of things on news, especially today. This goes hand in hand with waiting for a day or two to get this episode out. Uh Concentrates and edibles become legal today. That's Thursday the second. So that's pretty big. That's for recreation. And you know, I think it's great in the sense that you shouldn't have to have a prescription to partake in the other sections of the cannabis market. I understand why they kept it from recreational users at first, but uh, it's it's a double-edged sword. For one, it's like you brought up earlier when we were talking. It, if everything goes recreational, what does that mean? We're all paying taxes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I see that. I see this is like the small step in that direction. On the flip side. It's hard not to want the best for the community. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately, that's rec and medical. And I'm glad that recreational people have access to the, the concentrates and edibles. Here's the, here's the other part is, and let me read this. This is from uh, the Oregonian, Oregon Live. Oregon's recreational marijuana market expands to edibles and extracts starting Thursday. All I want to read here is this, quote unquote, but those rules don't apply to the early sales program stores. Let me start before that. The rules around the potency of edibles are complicated. The state intends to cap individual edible products at five milligrams, five milligrams of THC a piece. Wow. Half of what's allowed in Colorado and Washington. <laughs> okay. Mm. A package of marijuana-infused edibles, say a chocolate bar or cookies, may contain no more than 50 milligrams total. That's good to hear. So there's, what, that 10 pieces? <laughs> but those rules don't apply to this early sales program. Stores can sell edibles with up to 15 milligrams of THC right now. Okay. Triple the serving size limit. Now let me triple the serving size limit that will come this fall. Even then... There was a local news story that said, and this is just a comment from a bud tender in the area, that 15 milligrams for an average smoker will absolutely do nothing. 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 That's like eating, I think, one of those caramels. Aren't they 10 milligrams <sighs> just for one caramel? A 15 milligram serving that you're going to be able to get right now will probably maybe, maybe get off someone who has not smoked and waits two hours right right <laughs> so so here's the downside to that so it's like um it's like a taster i don't know what to say you're gonna have to go to five or six different stores during the day as a rec user and find out what your you know what mil how many milligrams it takes to make you feel good and then you know it's it's a lot of work and for people that smoke i this, this doesn't mean nothing Unfortunately, if you want to get an edible that's going to work, you're going to have to have your card. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really help much. Because what did they say? You run out of money. 
before Beef. you <laughs> what well, go ahead you run out of money <laughs> before you can run out of stuff to buy yeah it's it's not yeah. so this is the only thing that really is unfortunate now here's the part i don't understand and they don't talk about is extracts are available so you can only buy a 15 milligram say gummy but you can buy a 70 percent thc extract mm -hmm. so What's I guess if I understand this right, I'm recommending you buy the extract as right. a recreational user <laughs> and go do that. Exactly. And I'm sorry, if you want to have an edible, go find a uh, OMMP card holder that will make you some or will gift you some legally. Uh, but unless, yeah, unless you do an organ rooted dispensary tour and buy edibles <laughs> at each spot and then, you know, do a science experiment it's gonna be real hard so you have anything to add to that no okay so next this is this is it for the intro uh i think that uh, again lady sativa might have a lot to add to this but we want to talk about real quick about the organ rooted garden right yep a little segment we'll add in here and so what's going on this week basically we went out and amended uh and did our weekly treat now i'll talk about at the end of this podcast what my IPM strategy is and what I do on my weekly treat but on that weekly treat I also amend it, uh, different items and Lady Sativa was very kind and helped me this week do you want to talk about it we can both talk about it How okay so basically again you know we're using down-to-earth amendments they're all organic and they're all uh, either a find you know, grind or a poo or a meal. So we, it, it, what they're sitting in 12 gallon containers right now yes. and they have already got rogue organic soil in them, yes. which is a very good dirt. Actually, as far as I'm concerned, as good as any other dirt I've used, including Fox farms. Before we did all that too, we got to delarf the bottom the bottom oh ones. good point yeah, good point bringing that the... up and that's a good point yeah we did and this is something i i real pretty yes and this twofold here when you continue to um trim uh, well we uh carved our plants if you will uh you want to delarf the bottom as they grow in vegetative just because you don't want any growth going to the bottom stems the bottom about 20 to 30 percent i'll mm -hmm. let you decide what you want to do with that but here's the deal anything below that even outside is not going to get sun and what does grow is going to be small and what we call larfy and it takes a lot of the it takes a lot of the um energy, energy out of it mm -hmm. yeah so if you got energy if you got all that uh, sunlight going to your uh, 30 percent of your bottom stuff that never does anything you got that much less growth going into your bad it's boys. about 40% of what you get. <laughs> yeah. So, and it really, really makes a difference. So I highly stress that right from the beginning, you trim from the bottom about 20 to 30% and be on top of it. Get all that stuff. I call them suckers or runners. That's just a gardening term for a general, but you know, those, those little uh, side branches coming out at the bottom need to go. Uh, but as we do that, we are amending. Now we added all of our cocoa uh, mulch on the top. 
after we did all the amendments. What, of course. Right, right. So we amended, added our cocoa uh, mulch on top, which I'm really happy with. Uh, but underneath, we added the down to earth. Now, you know, we added basically five different things. I know a couple of them. What's that? Take <laughs> I, know. A, I'm, I know you remember. Feather meal. I know bat guano, uh, azomite. Mm-hmm. The, what's that one? I can't read your handwriting. Well, we got bat guano, azomite, biolive. Uh, I said the feather meal yeah, and the biolive the and then... Yeah. Um, oh, humic acid. Humic acid. Oh, okay. Yeah, humic acid basically just adds organic matter or, <clears throat> you and know, then you added beneficials. Epsom salt. Yeah. That, well, no, that was to the tomatoes. Yeah, the azomite went into the... Right. Yes. Right. The, the tomatoes. Okay. Yeah, the, Eps, the Epsom salt. <laughs> we did it all at the same time. <laughs> that's, that's something I do for the tomatoes, and we were working with those at the same time. But no, the azomite, which is the trace minerals, went into the plants. Right. Yeah. And so that's all we did. We did the IPM, and which we'll hear about later, and the uh, amendments. Now we just top-dressed and did... We Essentially, I was pretty strong. I did the recommended dosage at 12 gallons uh, for the full dosage so uh it's a lot of take scooping a lot of scooping <laughs> uh but and a lot of stirring but it's okay and then we're i'm already seeing results so it's been you know a couple days two three days and i'm already seeing results results so we're good there um and that's really it so now we'll go into the rest of the news and the rest of the show uh and uh, i think i'll let uh, lady sativa take over from here I've got a couple good stories here. An article written by Drew Jameson. World's first weed-friendly gym set to open in San Francisco. <clears throat> weed-friendly gym? Like to get ripped while getting ripped? Then the world's first weed-friendly gym about to open in San Francisco is your ultimate destination. Athletes have known about the benefits and fun of training while stoned for some time. But this summer, Power Plant Fitness will become the first gym to cater openly to weed-friendly patrons. That's right. Gym members can consume cannabis during their workout on-site. Now, this is pretty cool. I'm going to stop you just for a second because it's, they can consume cannabis right there. Yes. Wouldn't that yes. be nice? That would be nice. And then you wouldn't have to do it on the right before you go down there. Right? Seeing as we discuss this in episode zero. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's just it. This is cool. That's why we're bringing this up. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah. It's not in Oregon, but California. It's, yeah. No. It's, it's working a, its way up here. It's a, it's a good idea. Now let's follow. <laughs> All right. But Power Plant wants fitness and cannabis enthusiasts to know that the gym is going to be all business. It won't be a place to get high and just screw around, wrote Jim Mc... <laughs> sorry. McAlpin? McAlpin, founder of the cannabis event series 420 Games and co-founder of Power Plant Fitness. On the company's blog, McAlpin wrote, We are focused on the athletic side, not the cannabis side. Well, and like we said, I don't want to interrupt, but like we said before, it does help us and gets us focused. So I'm, I'm sure that this is what he's saying. Yeah, me too. The sentiment makes sense coming from Jim McAlpin, considering he founded the 420 Games. The 420 Games are the Olympics for stoners and include events like triath triathlons, golf tournaments, and everything in between, with the signature event being a 4.20-mile run. Ha-ha. Uh, remember, yep. <laughs> remember, cannabis is banned 
is a banned substance for Olympic athletes, but athletes who compete in the games take their game very seriously. McAlpin hopes to create a weed-friendly atmosphere at the gym that allows athletes who use cannabis to achieve new levels of success. For McAlpin himself, cannabis is a tool for workout focus and post-workout recovery. New members all work out or work under the close supervision of staff. The gym offers a cannabis performance assessment, which helps members determine the optimal way ways to consume cannabis during the during and after training. Maybe a bite of THC infused power bar is the perfect companion <laughs> to your cardio workout. Hell but, yeah! Right. Jump on board, power bar. But knocks someone else completely out. That's why. That's what the staff is trying to determine. We will be helping our members figure out how is best for them to ingest their cannabis, McAlpin says. McAlpin's gym is sticking to the letter of the law, too. Smoking inside public structures is prohibited under San Francisco medical cannabis law, so the weed-friendly gym will only permit edible consumption and vaping on site. There are plans in the works to add an outdoor smoking deck for people who actually want to puff, but smoking isn't as popular among athletes as vapes or edibles. Ultimately, the weed-friendly gym may be just the thing to change some of the stereotypes around cannabis. It could also help each teach people how to consume cannabis safely when they exert themselves. Problems like dry mouth and dehydration, dizziness and anxiety are real concerns, especially in the weight room or on the treadmill. Yeah, and that might be mostly for, you know, people that are just trying that out for the first time or people that don't smoke too often. But here's the deal. Like, it's like we said before, it helps me focus. It helps you focus. I think that's probably what we use it most for when we go in there. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like a meditation because um, it seems like you can do sports and exercise and stuff like that better when you are in that one mindset. And also, too, uh, I, we generally vape before we go in. Um, don't really use edibles, but we vape. We don't prefer to do flour, you know. No. So but. we usually do a concentrate. It depends on if we have that. If we have flour, then that's what we resort to. That's fine. And here's the thing about that, too, though. I notice that a lot of times concentrate makes me cough, and that makes it a little bit harder yes. for the initial few minutes of coughing that you get to be on the elliptical, <laughs> whereas the flour doesn't do that to me. But um, that could be just because I'm taking a lot bigger hits with the concentrates. But Yeah, sometimes they're fairly large. So this just goes hand in hand with what we said before that working out and exercising, it doesn't hurt you. It helps. And then afterwards, it's sweet. I mean, coming home and getting high after the gym, uh, I don't understand. It's perfect. It gets rid of your any pain, stiffness. Helps you relax. Definitely relax and helps you uh, eat that dinner and watch the movie when you're done. Yes, exactly. So good stuff. I'm glad you grabbed that. That was a good one. And, um, sounds like we got some more here. Yes. I have an article written by Evan Helper, uh, Congress quietly ends federal government's ban on medical marijuana. Now I didn't know you were hitting this up quite so quick. So let me just say this first on social media. This was like big at first search. Oh, the end of this and the end of that. And it's not quite so fancy which is why we looked up this article. And this is one of the source articles I could find. This is from like, like Lady Sativa said, this is an LA times article. It's a legit article and it points out the details of what exactly they were, 
what they exactly did with this new bill. Um, it's something that we haven't really had a problem with, but um, it's just one small step in the direction that we need to go as far as um, taking that from a schedule one down. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so start that, sorry. All right. Tucked deep inside the 1,603-page federal spending measure is a provision that effectively ends the federal government's prohibition on medical marijuana and signals a major shift in drug policy. The bill's passage over the weekends marks the first time Congress has approved nationally significant legislation backed by legislation advocates. It brings almost to a close two decades of tension between the states and Washington over medical use of marijuana. Under the provision, states where medical pot is legal would no longer need to worry about federal drug agents raiding retail operations. Agents should be prohibited from doing so. Okay, now this is exactly what happened. So, before we saw this happen in California, dispensaries, especially big dispensaries, uh, were getting raided and getting either getting shut down or pretty much being abused. And uh, this went on for a long time. This is back in the early, like 2008 to 2011 or so. And uh, <clears throat> at that time, Obama was trying to keep those things from happening, but it was happening anyway. So, but basically now what they're saying is that these federal agents can't just come in and as long as you're obeying state law, can't just come in and uh, treat you like a, like a prison criminal. criminal. Yeah. They go into prison. So anyway, go ahead. The Obama administration has largely, largely followed that rule since last year as a matter of policy. But the measure approved as part of the spending bill, which President Obama plans to sign this weekend, will codify it as a matter of law. Pot advocates had lobbied Congress to embrace the administration's policy, which they warned was vulnerable to revision under a less tolerant future administration. More important, from standpoint of activists, Congress action marked the emergence of new alliance in marijuana politics. Republicans are taking a prominent role in backing states' right to allow use of drugs, of drug the federal government still officially classifies as more dangerous than cocaine. This is a victory for so many, said the measure's co-author Republican Representative Dana Rarbacher. Rarbacher? <laughs> it looks of, like? I don't know. Yeah, Rarbacher. Bacher of Costa Mesa. The measure's approval, he said, represents the first time in decades that the federal government has curtailed its oppressive prohibition of marijuana. By now, 32 states of the District of Columbia have legalized pot or its ingredients of treat, to treat ailments, a movement that began in the 1990s. Even back then, some states had been approving broader decriminalization measures for two decades. The medical marijuana movement has picked up considerable momentum in recent years. The Drug Enforcement Administration, however, contains to place marijuana in the most dangerous category of narcotics with no accepted medical use. Congress, for years, had resisted calls to allow states to chart their own path on pot. The marijuana measure, which forbids the federal government from using any of its resources to impede state medical marijuana laws, was previously rejected half a dozen times. 
when Washington, D.C. voters approved medical marijuana in 1998, Congress used its authority over the city's affairs to block the law from taking effect for 11 years. Even as Congress has shifted ground on medical marijuana lawmakers remain uneasy about full legalization, a separate, a separate amendment to this spending package tacked on at the behest of anti-marijuana crusaders, Representative Andy Harris, RMD, will jeopardize the legalization of recreational pot in Washington, D.C., which voters approved last month. Marijuana pro proponents nonetheless said they felt more confident than ever w that Congress was drifting toward their point of view. It does sound like D.C., though, is really resistant. Uh, yep, but... I, I was surprised when they became legal there, but I did not realize that <clears throat> it was blocked from law for 11 years. That's quite a big strong arm on the government's part. Yes, it is. Uh, but like I said, I was surprised anyway when D.C., when I found out D.C. became legal, so. I know, exactly. Yeah. The war on medical marijuana is over, says Bill Piper, a lobbyist with the Drug Policy Alliance who called the movie, the move, historic. Now the first moves on legalization of all marijuana, he said, this is the strongest signal we have received from Congress that the politics have real have really shifted as a result of ballot measures. The war on medical marijuana is over. <laughs> Once again, it says. Mm -hmm. Now um, the fight moves on to legalization of all marijuana. So it's just basically one small step in the right direction. It says at the bottom here, again, approval of the pot measure comes after the Obama administration directed federal prosecutors last year to stop enforcing the drug laws that contradict state marijuana policies yeah so now it's just legit and they buried it in this big big huge uh spending measure so that you know it didn't stand out like a sore thumb but that's good exactly what's next i have a article written by noel crombie it's from the oregonian uh slash oregon live Recreational marijuana shoppers can buy marijuana edibles and extracts starting June 2nd. Now, that's going to make a lot of people happy. Yes, it is. I know a lot of friends that don't have a OMP card, and uh, they would like to be able to buy an occasional gram of extract or, shoot, even a cookie or two. This is good. I did not realize, to be honest, that this was coming up. I know. Me neither. Oregon continues its early rollout of recreational marijuana sales next month by allowing people to buy pot-infused edibles and extracts. Since October, anyone 21 and older can buy a limited amount of marijuana flower, flowers, starter plants, and seeds. Starting June 2nd, marijuana-infused edibles, extracts, extracts, and non-psychoactive topical products join the list. The legislature earlier this year approved the expanded sales. The Oregon Health Authority this week issued a bulletin detailing that's allowed. Retail customers can buy one low-dose marijuana-infused edible per day at medical marijuana dispensaries that sell to recreational customers. Low-dose means an edible with no more than 15 milligrams of THC. So, so you're either going to have to be a newbie at this. I don't know. Here's the deal. I've heard that 10 milligrams is a standard dose and that that's where you should start at. And I've seen people or I've 
talk to people that 10 milligrams is enough, but you know, I've had a soda that was 130 or 40 or 50 milligrams and I felt it, but I, you know, I don't know. So for all, <laughs> so all, for all you, uh, cannabis smokers that are rec users, if you have a high tolerance, you know, you might have to make three or four or five stops <laughs> to get a good active dose. Collect them through the week to party on the weekend. Yeah. Or I guess do a whole, you know, dispensary tour in Medford for a day. And well, I suppose though that they, <laughs> what's I that? Know. I suppose that, uh, that could work. You hit up a couple different ones that sell them. Five different places, five different <laughs> doses. But anyway, um, that's good. It still gives you an option to be able to try it and do it. And like I said, some people, apparently 10 to 15 milligrams is going to be decent. So yeah. Yeah. nonetheless, though, be careful with it because um, THC in oral, taking it orally is a lot different than smoking it. Yes, it does sneak up on you. It can sneak up on you and, you know... <laughs> It's not going to kill you, but it might, you might think it might. <laughs> no, you won't think that, but it can be pretty psychoactive. And so people get pretty tripped out sometimes if they're new the, at it. The room may spin. Yeah. And it can make you sick, um, but it's not going to hurt you. It's just going to mess up your afternoon, but don't, don't mess up your afternoon. Take your 15 milligrams, wait two hours. Keep your feet on the ground. You know, don't be drinking alcohol with it or anything and you should be fine. Exactly. And actually, you know, if once you find your dose, it's a good way that, you know, if you use it for anxiety or you use it for as a medicine, edible is good because it's low key. And, you know, if you, you can take a sucker and you can eat a sucker before your daily activities, whether that's work or play or whatever you're doing and get your medicine and have it work most of the day that way. Exactly. So this is good. Yes, it is. All right. It says they can also buy. They also can buy non-psychoactive marijuana-based topical products like lotions and balms that contain no more than 6% of THC. One pre-filled cartridge or container of marijuana extract per day. This type of product is typically consumed using a portable vaporizer device. The container may not contain more than 1,000 milligrams of THC. Okay, so real quick, uh, the lotions and bombs, I've had, I've, you know, I've used them, you know, your mom makes a, um, a salve, a salve that works really good. Yes. We've used actually. it for back pain, muscle pain. When I had pretty severe back pain, I yeah. used it. And my mom, although she is not a marijuana user as in smoker or or anything of that nature, she does enjoy the lotion on her, um, she's got arthritis and it works really well. My mom doesn't smoke either. She just uses it for. Sure. As medicine. Yep. No, that's or, legit. Or so changing it, it into butter. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So an edible or something. Whatsoever. No. And that's, that's, oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, these are the ways you can consume it and any way is no, it's just different. And you know, maybe eating My it. My mom is an OMMP card holder too, though. Is she? Well, you, like I yes, said. Yes, indeed she is. There's so many ways to <laughs> consume it uh, anymore. It feels like if you're smoking out of a pipe and it's a flower that you're some kind of old school <laughs> hippie, 
hippies from the 60s (laughs) (laughs) so uh and then just one thing on the pre-filled cartridges and stuff you know those are great especially for users and stuff but just be aware that kind of stuff is going to be a little expensive yes buying a cartridge getting a gram out of that 40 50 cartridge uh and then putting it in a, a device that you're gonna have to buy the devices are fairly cheap usually like 10 to 20 bucks i think 15 was average but um yep it's right you know right they're on. nothing fancy they do get good hits out of them you know and the, the convenience is great and like i said if you're a new user uh again very you could throw it in your pocket keep it in your pocket take one or two hits a day or in the afternoon you're golden this stuff is awesome but you know if you're really going to be consuming it a lot I'd recommend just getting a different vape pen, you know, something different that, you know, is more permanent. Um, And then you can just buy grams of whatever you want. You're not limited to the cartridge and you just buy a gram and there are pens out there that can hold up to a gram. So you can just fill those and same thing, except cheaper. Exactly. So, and then um, on this government, Kate Brown, go ahead. I'm sorry. Government Kate Brown signed Senate Bill 1511, the law allowing the expanded recreational sales on March 29th. Now, I don't know much about Kate Brown, but I guess Kate Brown is really signing a lot of stuff in for us. I have I have read that, so, actually. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep an eye on her. Yeah, exactly. A separate state law passed earlier this year removed the original two-year residency requirement for recreational marijuana licensees. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission will begin issuing licenses under this law starting June 2nd. Agency officials said Wednesday that residency would no longer be a factor for people who own a marijuana company under proposed rules the commission will take up next month. And so basically this part just sounds like they're just making it easier for some of the smaller growers to get into this little venture, which is good. I like it. I like it. I do too. So, anything else? Yeah, I'm just waiting for it to load. Okay. All right. This is an issue that I wanted to hit. Oh, okay. Is this something you got a surprise for us all? Unless you wanted to hit something real quick before I hit this topic. No, I think this is something good to talk about. All right. Um, How can marijuana affect symptoms, symptoms of cancer? A number of small studies of smoked, mar- of smoked marijuana found that it can be helpful in treating nausea and vomiting from cancer chemotherapy. A few studies have found that inhaled, smoked, or vaporized marijuana can be helpful treatment of neuropathic pain, pain caused by damaged nerves. Smoked marijuana has also helped improve food intake in, e- in HIV patients in studies. There are no studies in people of the effects of marijuana oil or hemp oil. Studies have long shown that people who took marijuana extracts in clinical trials tended to need less pain medicine. More recently, scientists reported that THC and other cannabinoids, such as CBD, slow growth, or cause death in certain types of cancer cells growing in laboratory dishes. Some animal studies also suggest certain cannabinoids may slow growth and reduce spread of some forms of cancer. There have been some early clinical trials of cannabinoids in treating cancer in humans, and more studies are are, are planned. While the studies so far have shown that cannabinoids can be safe in treating cancer, they do not show that they help control or cure the disease. 
Relying on marijuana alone as treatment while avoiding or delaying conventional medical care for cancer may have serious health consequences. And see, so here's the deal. I think there's so much stuff that people talk about. Oh, well, you know, my friend or family member had some kind of cancer and they took CBD oil or Rick Simpson oil or whatever and it cured it. I think there's a lot of that out there and it's just kind of a misconception. There is no proof of that. And just, you know, it might help and it, you know, it might coincide with something else that they're doing or, you know, cancer, people heal from cancer. Yes. Yes. With, with treatments. So this is not an, you know, it can happen while it's coincided with marijuana. What we do know though is that it helps tremendously with all the side effects of all the other bullshit that goes along with cancer. Exactly. And the medicines. So why you're getting it treated, you know, through modern medicine, uh, you can help treat that modern medicine side effect issues with the marijuana. Yes. And make it a lot more comfortable with the appetite and keeping weight on. You know, sometimes, think of it this way. Just because it doesn't cure the cancer doesn't mean it can't allow you to eat enough food to keep enough weight, to keep your immune system built up enough to where it can beat the cancer yes, with the treatments. Exactly. So Well, and even then, I have a really close friend of mine that is really dear to me that she has she started out with stage four cancer and she started doing all the chemotherapy for it. She has been taking tincture, and the only thing that that has helped her with is to gain weight because she was down pretty low. Um, it. She was told by the person that made the tincture that it cures cancer, that she should stop her chemotherapy, that she should stop taking all the medications that, do, that the doctor wow. gave her. And as of this point, even with taking the tincture, she yeah. has more cancer. It was it was shrinking there for mm -hmm. a very short time and mm -hmm. now she has more and it's it's devastating to hear somebody's trying to convince her that his tincture is the cure-all if it is then please do tell somebody well yeah share it with the rest of the damn world then and have proof yeah and that's the thing we don't want as a as the cannabis community we don't want to be out there just starting to spread a bunch of stuff you know i success stories are, are one thing but we don't also want to just be like yeah cancer cures or <laughs> sorry cannabis, cannabis cures, cures cancer, cancer. <laughs> say that three times um that would be nice to be able to say that and maybe with some signs someday that might be true but at this point it's we have perfected the cbd yeah version like straight sure. right do you remember what you that looked like that yeah. was interesting looking what's that the straight cbd flower i i guess it was in brookings yeah and it was totally different color than the oh. rest of the plant where was i you right next <laughs> to I me i <laughs> was staring at it pointing at it it was it's really neat looking if you ever get the chance to see it just just look at it you don't have to buy it even if you're not interested because it does look a little bit different well me like we don't normally get higher cbd wax or flower but you know it's I, i've heard it is just as good although the cbd part doesn't get you high um it treats a lot of stuff like anxiety 
Yes, so I have which is, heard it's more yeah, of a body. Yeah, which is interesting. So you're not necessarily getting a head high, but it's treating the anxiety. That's, wow, that's good. Because a lot of times what happens is that head high is what helps me with the anxiety, along with the body high and everything. But the change of the head goes. Because our minds work too fast. Exactly. Slows your thoughts down, gets you into that, uh, what do you call it? You know, the REM state. Not REM, but um, it's more of like a... Um, like a Zen state or a meditation. That's what I'm thinking of. You know, it allows you to be meditative instead of Goosefraba. Is that what it is? <laughs> huh? Goosefraba. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, uh, so interesting story though. Yeah. And it's too bad that people promise that, but, and this is true across the board. I think that marijuana, when we say we use it as a medicine, it's essentially being used to treat symptoms and yes. it, it, and that's different compared to most drugs, especially ones that you use for, for like through the pharmacy, because those drugs you use to treat a sickness and then they cause side effects. Yes. And Whereas, that's why she was using the tincture. She yeah. would put it in her tea or her coffee to help with the nausea from the chemotherapy throughout the day or her medications, which would also cause her nausea, or she said it would also help with her hunger because she would just not want to eat. She said she would look at food or she would throw it right back up because of the nausea. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was and helpful. so, yeah. And I don't think that marijuana necessarily treats any disease. What it does treat is any of the symptoms from the disease as far as how it is making you feel. Which helps handle the disease the actual disease or the medications so and just you know just like the whole being sick i'll tell you what i get a sick stomach every morning pretty much i've got a sensitive stomach for years and i use marijuana legitimately for treating that because yes. there's a lot of times if i didn't have it i'd be in a bad position so uh there's a lot of things that it gets used for as legitimate medicine mostly side effects so don't be out there just treating your cancer with weed no please and treat the symptoms go to your doctor and if you're curious do some research it's not too hard to find the information that you need yep don't listen to what somebody else is telling you because you can't believe everything they tell you no and cancer is one of those things that you you want to do i'd imagine you got plenty of time to sit down while you're getting your treatments and do all the research that you need to do exactly and uh not just listen to some guy's story about you know some voodoo magic because oil tincture i don't i don't think the placebo <laughs> <Cannabis> effect <laughs> works well with stage four cancer but anyway uh so is there anything else you want to say about that no okay. no i'm good well good luck to your friend you want to keep us updated about what happens absolutely okay i'm sure the listeners would like to know how this will turn out so that pretty much ends the news that we have. Um, this kind of rolls right into uh, the grow portion. Um, and I thought today what we might talk about, since it's the beginning of the year, um, you know, starting of the seasons for outdoor grow, uh, we talked a little bit about dirt last time. This time, uh, I think we should talk about what most of growers would call IPM, which if you're on a small scale, is going to be called uh, basically integrated pest management. It's a fancy word for controlling pests. Bigger operations like big grow places call it uh, integrated production management. 
and that's basically because you're talking 50 lights hundreds of plants and it's not a pest issue at that point it's literally production that you're the plants are being the pests because they need all the attention yeah that's <laughs> that's big stuff that's that's agriculture right there um so ipm what are we doing now there's a lot of people depending on your area see i found that depending on where i'm growing at like there'll be different bugs or uh, there'll be heavier bugs in a certain area than others so across town you might have a bunch of caterpillars and then you know two miles on the other side of town you got a bunch of uh, spider mites um, but earwigs <laughs> earwigs are bad i got a secret for that by the way too <laughs> uh but the thing is is do you try to go without treating pests okay cross your fingers and then when you do get them treat it which is tough to do Oh, let me tell you. Okay. Now, there's some areas that apparently people can get away with this. Um, and I'm talking outdoor grow. Indoor, it's a whole other beast. That's a whole other episode. But outdoor, you're going to have pests all around it. So my feeling, what I do, what Oregon Rooted does, is basically treat as if there's essentially going to be bug problems. And where I grow, it's got bug problems. <laughs> So, uh, right from the beginning, IPM, address it right away, and then I address it all year long. Now, the three things that I use, there's three real good things. One is neem oil. Two is azadiractin, which is an extract of the neem. And then the third one is spinosad. And these, all these three, the thing about it is this. If you're going to treat the plants and you're going to treat you know kill these bugs or keep them at bay um you don't want to we're already talking about organic we want to stay organic we don't want to ingest you know roundup or diazinon or methylthion or any of that stuff uh, and we're going to be smoking we don't know what any of that stuff does so sticking with your biologicals or with an organic source uh is you know the goal here so with that spinosad is my favorite i think it, it smells like patchouli <laughs> smells like dirt <laughs> most There's people a difference most people think it smells like dirt i like patchouli but this is good because what what would be better than applying something to dirt and a plant that smells like dirt just curious is that what you smell when i wear patchouli dirt Yes. I get it now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Too bad I'm still wearing it. <laughs> so now, so all these three, these three items are all organic. They're all come from a natural source. And uh, like the biological, like Spinoza, when I say a biological, do you, do you understand what that means? It's basically a bacteria. I was going to say a, a, it's a biological, biological like bacteria. Yeah, it's a live source that is an insecticide for other pests or live sources. I think of a biological being in like a, what it does dishes. Kind of, yeah. Okay. And so literally this is a bacterial species. Okay, bear with me saccharopolyspora spinosa okay 
kudos better than any of the last names I just read. It was discovered in eight, 1985, and it was from isolates from crushed sugarcane. Now, if you, Jack's dead bug is the big one around here. You can find it in... And that's the Spinosad, that's right? That's Spinosad, okay? The, this brand name is Jack's dead bug. That's the one I use. It's really readily available, and it's high quality. It has both kinds of Spinosad in it. Uh, there's a Spinosad A and a Spinosad D. Both basically, I'm not going to go into a bunch of stuff there. Bottom line is, if you got both, you got good coverage. If you just got one, you're only getting some. You got the other, you're only getting some. You got both, you get full benefits. Okay. But it comes from sugar cane. Jack's dead bug claimed it came from a rum distillery. I guess that would be sugar cane, right? I think so. Yeah. So. That's where it's from. It says it was collected inside a non-operational sugar mill rum still in the Virgin Islands. So it was the only place they'd found it. Hmm. They've been they've been growing it ever since, um, and now we've got also synthetics of it. But essentially, the way I understand it is they only found it in this one spot in the whole world, and and then they recreated it. Well, they they grow it, yeah, in I guess petri dish. <laughs> Like you said. <laughs> so um, it's very safe. And one, it's not greasy and oily like some things. Basically, it just feels like a, a regular water mixture of dirt, you know, cloudy, organic stuff. In a very small bottle. <sighs> yes, yes. And, and this, yeah. So how it works, though, is it's... <laughs> Nice way to change the subject. <laughs> well, I'll get back to that, actually. Um, it, it's by contact and ingestion into the uh, insects. And it can affect the bugs depending on what stage they're in. And so it can affect different life stages differently. Um, it kills larvae effectively. Okay. Um, adults, it gets a little bit harder to kill them. Um, if you're treating them with I, the IPM... Like once, what I call it, the once a week treat. Okay, let's just get it right here. Once a week treat. What do I do? I'm treating with my amendments and my and my insecticide, whatever that may be that week. And that's that's the once a week treat. Just curious, is there like a time limit on when what time of day you're supposed to do your treatments? Yeah, good question. And the big thing about that is just do it at night or when the sun's been went down. Most, 10 o'clock is his favorite time to do it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that late. Anytime the sun's down, anytime after, you know, I, I would say eight or nine in the summer. I mean, mostly because the bugs, correct? No, no. Just because what happens is when you spray the plants with insecticide, you run, depending on what it is, you run a big risk of burning the plants. Ah. And a, generally what that is though, is that's from an oily based product. Okay. And that oil I mean, for lack of a better analogy, works like a magnifying glass. So basically, it's best to do it as far away from the sun. And lights. So if you're an inside lights, grower. As possible. Mm -hmm. okay. So if you're inside grower, uh -huh. don't don't apply it until the lights go out. Uh, if you're an outside grower, don't do it. Either do it really early in the morning. And here's the deal. You got to allow yourself some time, for, especially if it's oily, to allow it to you know, get soaked in, evaporate, whatever. Because if there's stuff left over... And it's, it's, say it's been three, four hours, and there's still residue on there, and the sun's it's up. It's going to get burnt. It's most likely going to burn, and you're just going to cuss and hate it. So 
basically I recommend just doing it at night because then you got a full eight, nine, ten hours, whatever of darkness to let it soak in, evaporate, blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay. it all makes so much sense now. Yeah. And so with the Spinosad, though, it's not an oil-based product. It's water, water-soluble, and so you don't I, – I, I literally sugar have – and water? Not sugar and water. It's just bacteria and water. I have literally sprayed it an hour before the sun was going to hit it, and it was fine. Was that risky? I think it was. But out of all the products that I've tried, that's one of the safer ones. You can pretty much apply it most any time, especially if you use a wetting agent. What is that? What that is is it's another product you would add into that, okay, which allows it to it allows it to cover the whole plant surface. It allows it to suck right into the plant. It's just it's it's like taking that oil and instead of like you know a lava lamp where you shake it up and the oil's separate and it's kind of glopped together. Messed up for a long time. Yeah, a wetting agent will make that so it disperses. disperses evenly evenly and it covers everything and when you use a wetting agent like that it will tend not to burn in fact some claim that you can spray your plants under lights or spray your plants in the sun and it won't burn them because the wetting agent works so well uh so but getting back to the spinosad um essentially like i said do it at night um it's a biological you know it's been around for a while um, it's been used in the United States and crops since 97. Uh, it's really been safe. Uh, it says right here, this is from the Wikipedia, you know, in rats, um, they, they gave oral doses of 5,000 milligrams per kilogram of weight. That's huge. Okay. Wow. Uh, non-toxic. Um, the, in birds like quail, uh, 2,000 milligrams per kilogram, uh, non-toxic. Uh, I will say this, the only couple things you got to be w careful of fish. So if you're spraying with this stuff, you don't want it to be running off into a river. It does tend to affect fish, although it's not even moderately toxic. It's only slightly toxic. So you just want to be careful your runoff and it can be bad on honeybees. So if you have a lot of honeybees or you have flowers cause you want honeybees, don't spray the flowers. Don't, don't use it around the honeybees. We don't get a lot of honeybees here. I get a lot of Jack, yellow jackets and wasps and stuff, but very little honeybees. And then to boot, honeybees tend not to land on marijuana plants. Yeah. They don't use the pollen, so to speak, not like they do with everything else. No. So use it for your cannabis. Don't necessarily use it for your flowers, right? In the defense of spinosad, you're not, it's not always best to even wear a sunblock in a lake or or anything because of the runoff of that either. Exactly. Yeah. So either right. way, you're doing something toxic no. if you're wearing yeah. anything and in the we're water. We're just spraying plants here. We're not like dumping exactly. a bunch of stuff down the drain. I'm just using that as yeah. an example because that's a good example. Exactly. It's probably exactly. just as toxic as that. And everybody, thousands of people wear that yep. by the river yeah. lakes a year. Yeah. But basically here is the deal. Be aware that it is pretty potent on bees. It's highly toxic. It's not, you know, it's one of those, it's the one that's got... But it is an insecticide, so you are killing insects here. Yes. And honeybees fall in that category. So, yeah. you know. Let's protect our honeybees as much as we can, though. So avoid their plants. Yeah. So this is a good one. And I have used this one up through, like, week four, week five of bloom, uh, of flower time, because 
the literally I think it says a hundred oh, what is it here um, it is inactive Jeez, it doesn't take very long I'll look here but it breaks down quickly so from the Sun and the outdoor elements so basically you know even if it was slightly toxic to humans or mammals you know within literally two or three days it's broke down into nothing to nice. other things nice. I was so gonna say a week yeah <clears throat> oh well, a week would be plenty safe yeah and that's what I would say it would be a week I wouldn't take it up to the last week of bloom but I mean if you take it up to week four or five or six tops that gives you three weeks maybe two three mm -hmm. four weeks there and it's gone it's completely broke down into other things so that's what's nice too is the half-life is really really short um, now moving on the as a, okay we'll go right into neem oil the neem oil is an oil you <laughs> spray at night this will burn your plants if you're not careful but neem oil works good it comes from a tree the neem tree and uh, it's been used for oh, tons of things since way back. I mean, we're talking, it's been used for food. It's been used to um, treat uh, ailments. Uh, it's, people have eaten it, you know, for certain things. I mean, so people have been consuming this stuff for generations. And so it's nothing new. And it's about as organic as you're going to get. Um, it's a little potent. That's one thing is you got to be careful. So again, I use this just during vegetative for the most part, just during, you know, pre-flower because of that smell, you know, it's got that orangey. Oh yeah. Like orange soap, orange soap, but like some people, some people, yeah. Some people say it smells like, like uh, peanut and orange mixed kind of. I think it smells identical to the orange soap to me, but that's just my opinion. The the hand soap for sure. Um, in India, it was used for cosmetics. Um, it's been used in traditional medicine and folklore medicine. Um, skin dis skin diseases, inflammations, fevers, uh, rheumatic disorders, and of course insect repellents like on your skin and all that. So hmm. smells, mm -hmm, but. You know it works really good um you know it's like i said it's even been taken like in pill form and believe it or not it's been used in vaginas hmm yeah yeah do explain <laughs> really is that what you you really want no. me to go into we'll, detail we'll touch that subject later <laughs> <laughs> but it's been used for eczema um oh gosh all kinds of stuff all kinds of stuff so you can feel comfortable using it. A lot of growers already use it and know about it. But like I said, it, it's kind of potent. When you use neem, the best part about it is it's also good as like a fungicide or a amidicide. So it'll it'll clear out mites, insects, and fungus issues like powdery mildew or, you know, mold stuff that you might get in your dirt or on your plant. So that's good. It's kind of a double whammy. Right. Okay. Now, with that said... I never go stronger than these three products unless I have to go a little nuclear, okay? Nuclear is when like spider mites, y y y they get a little out of control. You're like, oh my God, where'd this come from? I got the, and now I've got these little wet, oh shit. And you have to go a little nuclear. I don't like to do things that are gonna hurt me. So when I go nuclear, I go 
with some Bonim. That's the brand, it's on the shelf, and it's a mix of neem oil and pyrethrum. I won't go too much into pyrethrum. Pyrethrum is organic, it comes from chrysanthemum flowers. Literally, you take the petals, you crush them up, it's pyrethrum oil. So, it's a natural organic product, but it's very stout. It's got a long half-life though, like 30 days. So it takes a long time for it to break down. And it's, it's questionable about how good it is, is in terms of in the human body. It's not like we're sitting here eating it and using it like so skin So basically treatments. at the very beginning, you don't want to use it any later than about half-life. What do you mean? Of the plant. You mean like through vegetative? Yeah, you don't want to use it the later time. No, I would not. I would, again, through week four maybe, tops, because that gives you four or five weeks to clean out right. before you cut. And uh, also, too, it'll gone through its half-life. So it'll hopefully have been broke down by then. Yeah. But it's nuclear. So you mix some neem oil with some pyrethrum, and that will give you a good... A nuclear bomb. Well, not as nuclear as you can go, but it's as nuclear as I would suggest for health of yourself. Now, if you're growing your own, you're growing, you want to grow healthy weed. Healthy weed for healthy people, right? So in other words, it's as nuclear as you will go for organic? Yep. Uh -huh. Yep. There we yep. go. Yep. That's so, what I'm saying. And, you know, feel free to use that in the first, in the vegetative. Because, again, once you hit alternate, you got eight, nine weeks to clean out, you're golden. So, now, the last one is the azadiractin. And azadiractin is a extract of neem oil. Azadiractin does not smell. It is a little more oil-based, okay, because it's a concentrate of the neem, already oil, so it doesn't mix with water too easily, but it works really well. This works really good for things like spider mites and stuff too. Doesn't smell, and it's got that neem effect. Like, it's very, very effective. I think even more so than neem. It's like everything good in neem, but without the smell and bullshit. It is more expensive. Uh, Azatrol and Azamax are the two that are known. Okay. And um, Azamax, you can buy online. Azatrol, I think you can buy locally. Both are the same. They're both the same concentrated, you know, percentages. And I've used both. They work the same. I actually think the plants look better after a treatment of Azamax or Azatrol. That could just be me, though. <laughs> Again, I'd be careful. Do it at night. Now, the, the azadiractin, that is a good, strong one, a little more expensive. So if you have more plants than just four or six, I normally just use a hand sprayer or you can use a fogger. There's a Junior Max fogger that uh, is only like 70 or 80 bucks online. And you can literally take just a couple little quarts of that stuff and it'll go for forever. So instead of spending 15 bucks for three or four applications, you literally get heck of a lot more. So if you're, if you're worried about the spending on all on these products, then just go with a fogger. If you don't mind it so much, you don't have a lot of plants, use a sprayer. Um, but foggers do work good because you can get all the cracks, crevices, and spots where those little suckers are hiding. So those three, azadiractin, spinosad, and neem oil. Now I would rotate those. Okay, so once a week treat, one week neem, one week azamax or azatrol, and then next week spinosad. And then start over. And then start over. Reason that is, is because bugs, especially spider mites, they grow these 
tolerances and quickly. Well, and the fact that um, you want to shock them, keep them on their toes. Exactly. I mean, exactly, exactly. So um, now one thing about this area, and I have to mention this real quick, is that we got this problem with budworms. Now this is what, you know, you've seen them. They're, 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 oh man, yeah. I just want to ruin these things. I don't know what it is about Southern Oregon. Little bastards. But I'll guarantee that any any grower that's had any time behind the, the plants has seen these things. And what happens is they start out in vegetative, these white moths, the ones that look like they're retarded when they fly. Because they run into stuff. They run into stuff. They fly like, like they're drunk and they're just little tiny, not tiny, tiny things, but they're in between like a monarch and a real small moth but they're just a white butterfly. They lay these tiny, tiny little black eggs and you can see them, but they're, and they glue right to that leaf. Really, really, it's kind of amazing. In fact, when I see them, I just cut them out. I don't even try to nope. pull them off, just cut that thing off. But they lay these eggs in vegetative early in the year. And then these things turn into these tiny, tiny little caterpillars, little green things. You don't see them usually at this point. They're no, so because small. they embed inside. Well, that's the, the thing. Yeah, they go from the egg, they go right, the caterpillar crawls right up into your little buds that are just forming because it's all like a timing thing. They lay before the buds start, they hatch, start crawling around as your buds start to form, and then they start hiding out in them. It's their little home. Yep. And you don't know they're in there. And they do shit where they eat. <laughs> they don't have any shame in their game. Nope. So they get up in there, they camp out and grow. And you're right. What happens is at night, they'll come out. Hopefully in the day they come out so you can catch those bastards. But they come out at night, they chew on shit, they go back in the bud, and then they shit there. And that shit has full of bacteria. That bacteria grows and it causes bud rot. And then it rots. And then it rots. And then Part you don't, of your bud. And then you don't normally catch that until you get the rotten section. You say, oh, my God, why is my bud rotting? Am I getting mold? Oh, my God. And then you peel it back and you see this freaking green head poking out at you, mocking you. So Frustrating, now, as you can tell. Yeah. And this happens, like I said, it's happened to me a couple times. It just happens unless you're on top of these things. This is IPM. So what you have to do, get Bacillus thuringiensis, B-T. Um, just look it up. You know, I'm not sure. I don't buy mine locally on this, okay? I, I order it. But you got to find it. Um, there are a couple brands out there. I'll try to post them up uh, if I get some that are, that are sold around here. But nonetheless, uh, it's Bacillus thuringiensis. It's a... It's it's a bacteria and it literally it's a biological right and it just literally you spray it on it kills these things it disrupts their um it's it's almost like neem where this they don't want to eat that shit and then it fucks them up and kills them but uh you spray early and and i would even do it in conjunction with something else so as a max this weekend with bt next weekend whatever with the bt and you spray all during vegetative right mm -hmm. because you're trying to kill those bastards off before they get into your buds what did you hear last year that it's earlier in the year is the best time for them yeah to keep them little bastards gone keep them out of the buds yes and you're not gonna unless you cover those plants or it's inside you're not gonna keep those stupid moths off of them so you got to just look for the eggs take out the eggs when you can 
maybe a 10 times loop should be in your pocket when you're doing this and then uh, basically just spray those things with the BT and you won't have a problem and believe me this is way worth your time as an outside grower to take care of this because if you grow in these donkey dick buds okay these things will be big worms in there and you'll be losing grams and grams and if not ounces on rot we've lost we lost at least we did a couple grams yeah you can figure out we had to cut out out of four pounds maybe yeah at least two or three ounces and and we did good yes like we were on it for as many caterpillars as were they were coming around we, oh, yeah. we, we did pretty good. three four five six a day it was ridiculous oh it would make me so mad we spent a lot of time out there yeah yeah just cutting out worms yeah so so definitely you know ipm i would i i would do it just it, it saves problems and this is all organic stuff so um about as organic as you're going to get and uh you know even at the end like i said just stop air if you've kept up this protocol the whole time you should have zero problems and going into the last three four weeks of flower you can back off and even if you get i mean you're talking these there's going to be residues from these things still in there it's they're still breaking down and so you're not going to get a bunch of bugs chomping on there right away and then when you do if if you do get any few little bugs it's going to be time to harvest anyway yep maybe so, that'll be your indicator yeah yeah so that's my spiel about ipm and um what to do at least what we do here um so i think that's just about it for this yeah. for episode one Next uh, time we get to talk about the fun that we had last night, right? What's that? Putting all the ingredients into the girls. Oh, yeah. We will talk about the the next episode. The nutrients, correct? Yeah. Well, we're just implementing. I think we're just getting a feel for how our show is going to be structured. So I think we're going to definitely yes. keep, you know, this week in Oregon News is going to be one segment. We're going to do a gross segment, which I would like to hopefully do questions so once we get rolling with our website you know youtube uh we want to have people submit questions if you've got questions we want the challenge and the opportunity to answer them maybe we will try and have a big time grower on here sometime well see and that's the thing bigger bigger than what we do Uh, but that's (laughs) the thing i'm you know i don't have all the answers but we can if you got a question we can Either we can answer it or we can find someone on the show that can't answer it. Or we can find the answer. That's right. So, and we want to be able to um, talk with the community in that fashion. So that's the idea there. But this week in cannabis, do some grow talk with some uh, what's going on on our grow. You know, we'll also add that segment in there with the grows, just what's going on in our grow. And we also want to keep uh, on tap with your friend there and see how she turns out. Absolutely. With with the treatment and the side of, you know the side effect treatment with the cannabis. So uh, this week we should uh, be have our website up. It's nearly there. It really is. I promise. We've been doing a lot of work on it. I think things are getting ironed out. I've got some help now from part of the crew, and it's getting there. And then also to good news today, we got approved for. Uh, iTunes and Google Play. Strange enough, uh, we've got the links, so I'll put those up, but we don't, you know, we haven't seen them open up in the store yet. 
Not quite yet. I think that it may take a couple days. It seems like iTunes said it's going to take a couple days. Google Play claimed that we were up, and I did. I saw it through the link, but I did not actually be able to go to Google Play Store and actually just search for it. So be patient with that. We are on there. We got the approval today. We just we need the day or two to actually pop up in the store. But we'll be on YouTube. We will be on YouTube. Uh, we're going to release every Wednesday at this point. So every Wednesday evening, we'll release the week's episode. Uh, if we get enough people wanting it and we get enough play off of it, we can always increase that. But for now, we're just going to do once a week and pack everything into one show and go that route. And like I said, that'll be Wednesdays. Um, but keep looking for us on Google Play and iTunes and also our website. I will release as things actually release and actually are officially happening and I can prove it, then I'll release that on social media too. Such as articles. Well, the, but I mean the, the actual iTunes. Yes. Like once I can actually find yes. it in the store, I'll, I'll release that on social media so everybody knows ah, that, yes. that they can actually find it there. Uh, we are on Blueberry for Blueberry users only right now. And then uh, we're also going to open up other places. And of course, we'll be on our, our website. That's That's the big one. Um, cause we're gonna have a lot of stuff on there. So I think that's it. If uh, you want to find us on Facebook, and Twitter, Instagram. Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, we're all over the place. Organ rooted. Yes. So anything else lady? Nope. That's it for tonight. Okay. So we'll release this, uh, Wednesday nights. The first place will be YouTube and then everything else is to follow. I hope you guys have a good week. See you later. Thank you.